Welcome to the Watoto Church Podcast. Prepare your heart as we explore scripture and delve into the Word of God. You're about to hear God's Word. God's amazing Word from one of our guests. He's even more than a guest. He is a friend. He's one of those who will challenge you to live for more, no matter what. And as he comes to share God's word, I'd like you to open up your heart. Because he's lived his life determined to ensure every child on planet earth gets to receive God's word. We've partnered with them for many years. And as of this year, 24 million children in Uganda have received God's word. They have. God spoke to him to start this ministry over 80 years ago. And he is still going. We're total family online, those who are here, would you stand to your feet and let's welcome one of God's generals, Pastor Bob Hoskins, as he gets ready to preach God's word. Come on, come on, let's welcome this general in the kingdom of God. Wow, what a welcome. My goodness, I am so thrilled to see you may be seated. And uh, you know what? I'm going to be seated as well. You know, you see this old man with these. But the truth is, um, I have bad knees but a good heart. Because uh, from my youth, I was very athletic. I ran marathons. I skied the mountains. I rode centuries on the bike. And about five years ago... These old knees said, you've beat us up long enough. We're going to quit, but you can keep going. So I'm still going. My, my blood pressure is still 120 over 80, and I have an athlete's heart rate of in the low 40s. So it's just the old legs. Well, what a joy to be here for this very special week at this very special occasion I have been thrilled as I have seen this transition from one leadership to another. And I love the music today. There is more. I said uh, night before last that uh, the transition is not the end. It's not even the beginning of the end. It's only the end of the beginning. We're just getting started. We're just getting ready to go. Well... Um, Pastor Julius told you that uh, this year is a special year for me. I am celebrating 80 years of full-time preaching ministry. And yes, give God the glory. And I know some of you are looking up here and wondering how someone who looks this young could be that old. Well, the truth is that I began preaching As a child of seven, when I was seven years old, I received an incredible baptism in the Holy Spirit. 
my body fell prostrate under the power of the Holy Ghost. And I don't recall it as a dream or a vision. I felt myself literally being lifted out of my body and ascending upwards. In fact, I could look back as I ascended and see my body and my parents and their friends gathered around my body. And somewhere in the heavenlies, Christ appeared to me. And over the next several hours, he took me on a vast journey through time and space in which I saw things past and present and things that are yet to be. And the impact of that experience was so powerful that I began my public preaching ministry two weeks from that night. And the wonder of a small child who, because of the unction and anointing of the Spirit, spoke with the authority, the vocabulary of an adult, astounded people. And so great crowds of people came to hear this small boy preach. And over the next years, I traveled across America, preaching in great revivals to thousands of people every week. But when I was 18, the Spirit of God spoke to me to go to the country that was then called British Guyana. You see how old I am. The Brits still had colonies then. I didn't even know where British Guyana was. I thought all the British colonies were in Africa. So I got a map of Africa looking for British Guyana to discover that it was in South America. Short of the story, within a few weeks from the night God spoke to me, I arrived in, in, in Guyana. I had no ticket to go back to America, and I had a total of $5.68. I had sent ahead to uh, some some uh, people who had shown evidence of wanting to plant a church and asked them to set up a crusade. When the uh, gentleman that I had been corresponding with met me at the airport, almost before he said hello, he pulled out this big sheet of paper and showed me all the money that he had spent on my behalf. I, I, I looked down at the bottom right-hand corner to find out that I was in debt thousands of dollars. And if I had told that gentleman that I only had $5.68, I'm sure they would have taken him to the hospital with a, with a, with a heart attack. I said, Oh, brother, you've done a wonderful job. Oh, that's beautiful. Let me just, I'll just take that and we'll take care of all of this. But God kept his promise. He sent a mighty outpouring of his spirit just as he told me he would do. He began to perform mighty miracles of healing so that blind eyes were open and people who came in wheelchairs pushed their wheelchairs home. And by the third night of the crusade, we had moved into the, the, uh, the hippodrome, the racing arena. And for the next six weeks, I preached to 30,000 people a day. I taught them God's law of giving and receiving. Oh, I was so glad to see how you're receiving the offering with all of these new and marvelous methods that allow us to give so easily. And I taught the people God's law of giving and receiving. How many know the Bible is full of laws about giving and receiving? And as I taught the people God's laws of giving and receiving, they began to respond every night with offerings. It was the poorest nation in the world then. They gave pennies and hay pennies. But by the end of the crusade, every expense was paid. We started a fund to 
buy the first property to plant the first church, and they gave me a love offering that enabled me not only to go back to America, but to travel and preach in other countries. And when I arrived back in America three months later, I had $5. The whole mission had cost me a total of 68 cents. I thought that was pretty good. Yes, give God the glory. From there, I continued in missions evangelism coming next to Africa. How many of you were born after 1954? If you were born after 1954, let me, I think that's everybody here. Well, the truth is then I was in Africa before you were because I first came to Africa in 1954 and God graced our crusades in South Africa and across uh, the country then known as Tanganyika, now Tanzania and Kenya. My only regret is I didn't get to Uganda on that trip, but I continued in evangelism around the world, and along the way I met a beautiful lady, and after our marriage we traveled together, crusades, we came back to Africa, we were uh, in India and Asia, and as we conducted these crusades along the way, I began to nurture a burden for the Muslim world of the Middle East. And in 1965, I moved my wife and two baby boys to the country of of Lebanon, to the city of Beirut. My goal was to establish there some base for evangelizing, evangelizing the Muslim world. Now imagine the frustration of a crusade evangelist whose opus uh, operation is to go into a city, rent a venue, advertise, preach to the crowds as they come, plant a church, and move on. Now I'm in a part of the world where I cannot do that. How many know you don't go to Saudi Arabia and rent a stadium and have a salvation healing crusade? In fact, most of the countries that I wanted to visit, I couldn't even get a visa to go there. And so there were frustrating months of saying, God, why did you bring me here where my gifting that I think I have as an evangelist, I can't even use? But in fasting and prayer, I began to study the Quran. And you know what? I found Jesus in the Quran. Not once, not twice, but over and over again. And I said, what if I take Jesus in the Quran, and I create a set of lessons that sort of reintroduces him. And I, I, I created a series of lessons on, on taking Jesus from the Quran and moving him to the cross and the resurrection. And after I'd created the lessons, I thought, well, how am I going to get them to people? So I decided to advertise in a Beirut newspaper. And I offered the lessons in these advertisements. And amazingly, people began to write me from across the Arab-speaking world. And this material began to go out into places and into homes where there were no missionaries and there were no churches. The Word of God began to enter the homes of people. And I made this great discovery. There may be doors close to certain nationalities. There may be doors close to certain passports. But I'm here to declare there is not a single solitary spot on the planet that is close to the sovereign moving of the blessed Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Did you know the Holy Spirit doesn't need a passport or a visa? The Holy Spirit goes where he wants, when he wants, how he wants, among whom he wants. And nothing can stop the sovereign move of the Spirit of God. And I discovered that wherever this word goes, the, 
<laughs> oh, you say that's not a Bible. Well, that's my Bible. I have, I have you version. I have all the versions right here. I have it right here. And the word of God, I discovered for myself that the power of the gospel is the gospel. The power is not in a man. The power is not in the sower of the seed. The power is in the seed that is sown. The power is not in the messenger who proclaims. The power is in the message that is proclaimed. And as the word of God began to go forth, we began to receive response from people who had come to a knowledge of Christ by only receiving the word of God. My friends, this book, God's word, is alive. It is alive. In fact, can we say that? Can we say God's word is alive? God's word is alive. Again? God's word is alive. You were louder than that during the song time. Let's have it again. What? Yes, God's word is alive. And then we began to disciple those who sent us testimony of conversion by introducing other, other materials, particularly on the, on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And then I started, you don't even, most of you don't even know what a cassette is, but I started cassette churches and I began to send services to these homes where people had sent evidence of salvation and they began to gather other people in their homes and share our services on cassette with, with their friends. And if I had time, I could take you across North Africa and the middle East and show you where there are literally hundreds of practicing bodies of believers that were not brought to Christ through a missionary. They never entered a church. The word of God got in their hands and wherever the word of God goes, the Holy Spirit goes. And wherever the Holy Spirit is, transformation does take place. And then I began to, I, as I saw the power of, of, of media what I call then the printed page. I began to expand my literature ministry into other areas and other languages. And over the next several years, that ministry that I founded became the largest publishers of Bibles and Christian literature in Spanish, in French, in Portuguese. And as we were expanding into other languages, I had a vision in 1987 during a time of fasting and prayer. And in this vision, I saw that Satan was going to send every devil in hell to attack children. That children would become Satan's number one target. And his goal would be to destroy entire generations. I saw in that, in that vision child soldiers, child sex slaves. I saw the ravages of disease and AIDS and alcohol and drugs. And it was all aimed at destroying the children. And I began to weep and cry out to God, what have I seen? What is coming to the world? And what should we do? And the Spirit of God spoke into my heart and said the only thing that will rescue these children is truth. And truth is found in my word. I want you to take my word to the children of the world. And then he added something that to me was unique. He said, you will do it through leaders. Now remember, I'm leading this great uh, publishing ministry. We're the largest publishers and distributors of Bibles in major languages. Uh, Spanish was one of those languages. And so I said, okay, 
He said leaders. I'll start with Spanish. I I got the names of the 50 most powerful people in every Spanish-speaking nation. Their presidents, their prime ministers, their heads of communication, ministers of health, ministers of education. And I embossed their names in gold on a beautiful leather study Bible and began to present those Bibles to these leaders. And I was absolutely amazed that within weeks I began to hear from these leaders. I began to receive invitations. In fact, I was the guest of the president of Chile, the guest of the president of Venezuela, the guest of the president of Nicaragua. And then I received a letter from the minister of education in the country of El Salvador. I knew by his letter that he was a follower of Christ. He said, Mr. Hoskins, our country has had years of civil war. We have the highest murder rate in the world. And it is our children who have no future, no hope. They're being destroyed. I wish that we could give a Bible, God's Word, to every child in every school in El Salvador. Is that possible? Would you do that? I read his letter, and I I began to wave the letter. I ran through the office saying, look, God said... His, his word, God said children, God said leaders, and I said to my assistant, send this man a cable. That was before, you know, the internet. We sent something old-fashioned. And I said, send him a, 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 a telegram and say, yes, sir, Mr. Minister of Education, I promise you, I'll give the word of God to every child, to every school in El Salvador. And she sent the message, and then she came back and said, how many children are in El Salvador? I said, I don't know how many. She said, what? You don't know how many. You just promised to give every one of them a Bible, and you don't even know. And she called the embassy in Washington, D.C., and she came back and said, they tell me there are 968,000 children in school in El Salvador. You need a million Bibles. Now, Pastor Julius, I tell people I really started fasting and praying. Oh, God. Where will I get a million Bibles? What am I going to send these children? I knew I wanted to send them something that when they saw it, they would want it. I knew that I wanted to send them something that when they read it, they would understand it. You know, you give a a, a 10-year-old child a 1,600-page book, that scares adults. And as a student, his school has taught him that he should begin reading, you know, at the beginning. And so there he goes. Now he's in Genesis, and he's reading about creation and how wonderful it is. But he doesn't read very far until there's some rather strange things going on. I mean, God telling the Jews, go in that village and city and country and kill everybody. I mean, whoo, that's scary stuff. You know, God telling them, cut off the Philistine foreskins and nail them to a wall. How do you explain Philistine foreskins to a 10-year-old child? I said, God, they can learn about Philistine foreskins later. The first thing to know is that you love them, that you have a plan for their life. And that's found in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the story of Jesus. And so we 